So, we're going to die at Winterfell. Not Tell the death me I would about have your rewatches. It's the opera episode. A Night of the Seven Kingdoms, part two, round two. I feel like I've had a little bit more training in the game of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Intrigue. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to come so soon, but we did have a extremely long wait between season seven and eight. So I feel like that was part of the, I guess, coping period, or at least the period that we all had to realize that the White Walkers were coming. And upon a rewatch of this episode of Night of the Seven Kingdoms, the ending sequence really, I think, set in a big way because I know or right after it aired, we had the podcast to record. So I felt like there was so much to do and so much to think about. And so all the details really were just swimming around in my head and didn't fully land or make me, I, I guess I didn't fully understand, like, for example, the last moments that Jamie might have to express how he feels about Brienne and what that was like to do in front of his brother and to share those moments in front of people like Davos and to have even Tormund there and to have Tormund as one of the person, one of the people that initialized the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, for it to happen all within a place like Winterfell and for it to just this is it you know what i mean like this is the these are the closing moments for a lot of these people and for this part of the story that we were always looking forward to like what would happen when the white walkers broke through the wall and how would they attack westeros we're about to see the biggest fight presumably or that we can at least think of at this point on sunday night and it's going to involve a lot of people and that's pretty exciting obviously but really exciting i'm really excited to talk about it tonight with you I know I am too. I think that no matter what, though, we would never be ready. We're always going to feel unprepared. And especially after an episode like this and after we've had a chance to watch it a couple times and to let those little nuances sink in, like you're saying, I think it really continues to hold up. And it really, I really am scared for Sunday. I'm excited because of the buildup, but... We said goodbye to a lot of people this week. We had an entire episode to do it, which was, it's just so interesting for them to have done when you think about, I know it's been massively popular among the diehard fans of the series, which a lot of our podcast audience is from, but I know that there's a lot of you listening that don't listen to our podcast in the off season. And I've been wondering how this episode landed for folks that maybe expected to see uh, action falling in a big way with the White Walkers and not having cut a way to King's Landing to see what Euron Greyjoy is up to or to see what Yara is doing with the troops on the Iron Islands or to see what Harry Strickland's doing with the Golden Company, you know, to have an episode to be settled in like this and to have those uh, jokes that we like so much. I feel like it was almost designed to have people source their owns because on a second watch, I was like thinking about, well, that would be a really good thing to take there. That's a really good moment there. But actually, they're all kind of that. And we used to just get little sidearms from Tyrion when he was slapping Joffrey back in the day that we called imp slapping. Mm -hmm. And now it's just like, it's hard to keep up with all those moments. And then it eventually explodes with Tormund just guzzling milk down the front of his clothes. So funny. Still (laughs) hilarious. Yeah. So cool. I have to say that we were talking about this a little bit before we sat down to record, but my sister and I are on vacation, which is... I have nothing to say about that. <laughs> but it's my a good sister time and I are, to take a vacation. Yeah, it's a great time to take a vacation. We're on vacation and we are staying in the same hotel room. And so obviously I'm going to watch Game of Thrones. And as we're prepping for the episode, my sister's never watched an episode of Game of Thrones in her life. She doesn't know 
anything about Game of Thrones. Like, she didn't even know that Game of Thrones was a fantasy series. (laughs) And so, but to watch her or to have her watch this episode with me, the whole time I wanted to just like, because there's so much nuance, almost more than ever. I think watching Game of Thrones, period, with somebody who doesn't know what it's like, it's so hard not to try to explain the 10 million backstories or the music is swelling in this way because of this way and of this callback. (laughs) And there's a reason why he's looking at him that way because 500 years ago, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But I feel like this episode probably more than ever, each interaction held so much weight and they all came so quickly. It was so hard for me to keep my mouth shut. It's like, what things do I try to give her some context for so that she's not completely lost in this episode? And so it was kind of an interesting What kind of stuff did you end up saying? Saying. The context, I the brand Jamie pushing brand out the window. Oh, because that's the big one. You're like, yeah. oh, when he goes, the things we do for love. It's like, hey, exactly. that was the probably the craziest line in the series so far. Brand like, like he could shut the down this whole potential redem- redemption arc for Jamie right now. Even Brienne would be like, what? Well, yeah. <laughs> Cheers. What? <laughs> yeah. What did she think about that? I mean. We didn't really have time for reactions. Like, this episode moves way too fast. I didn't give her any opportunity to give me her thoughts. <laughs> but it's like things like that, John's parentage, and then I think the other thing was Theon. Those are the three things that I felt like, oh, and that Sansa was my favorite character. Those are the the things that I felt like were important enough <laughs> she, to carry the She episode, was in the same but. boat as uh, Daenerys in that scene, sort of. When Theon comes in, Daenerys is, or Theon turns to her and kneels and he's like, my queen, this is the update on our troops. I know I, I swore fealty to you ages ago on Dragonstone, but this is what's going on. And uh, by the way, and then the stuff happens with Sansa and Daenerys is just like, wow, these northerners have got a lot. There's a lot of things in their closet that we're going mm-hmm. through before all this mm-hmm. is said and done quickly. Yeah. And something that's, I mean, I don't know how quickly we want to dive into because I have 5 million questions for you that I, that I want to ask because I just, there's a, there's a lot to unpack in this episode that I think from a very surface level, as we were talking about on Sunday, seems fan servicey, which again, I don't think it's a bad thing, but there's a lot of payoff And I think the initial hype of that, when that settles and the dust settles, to me, it brought up a lot of questions as I continue to rewatch the episode. And I know that we've got this big battle kind of standing in our way between this and the end game. And so a lot of things are up in the air and it's hard to say, well, should we be focusing on things like Cersei or Melisandre or anybody's claim to the throne when we don't know who's going to be awake not awake. Who's going to be alive by the time Who's the, be awake the sun to remember. comes up again? Yeah, don't forget. <laughs> so poetic, but you know what I mean. But I felt like, and maybe you felt differently. Upon each rewatch, these questions seemed just as important now as they've ever been before for me. Yeah, I think so. I think um, it's good to have something extra to look into because even though it seems like this is a massive, massive dispute that's that's ending, it is. But it's also going to be one potential battle and we look at the the history of Westeros and we look at the way the seven kingdoms were formed initially and what they were before this is a disputed land and this is a tale that's being marked along it's going to be a scar along its overall uh, history but uh you know there's so much more than and I think that the white walkers probably won't I just don't know if it's going to be done here you know what I mean but it kind of does make sense if it is done but I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't think it's going to be done. We done talked here. about it before. We have like so many different thoughts, but when I think about the fact there's only a handful of episodes left, I'm still just sort of wondering if Arya is going to be successful or if uh, Dragonfire does work in the Night King, if it ends up being something like that. And uh, we do have so much of the falling action with everybody else to, to get into. So not everyone is going to die, even though it maybe feels that way in this moment. Yeah. There's still a lot to, to tie up and get answers to. I thought it was cool that upon another viewing and, and just sort of looking at uh, the way that you're just trying to sort of conceptualize the way that they would want the episodes to come together. If it were a menu that you were scrolling through in the future, I was going to say like uh, if you saw books on yourself, but this is more so going to be the digital menu that people are interfacing with game of Thrones in a hundred years, like what the final six episodes would look like in a set. And mm-hmm. it's cool that they made this creative decision to produce an episode like this in that final season that encapsulates so many of these things that we love about Game of Thrones that was decorated along the series. And there's stuff that is stuff that really inspired the the idea of the podcast overall, at least the way that, that we do it with the owns. There was just thinking about Mord and Tyrion, how it just felt out of place, the no gold, how it just sort of lifted the 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 humor with that crazy shit with him being in the sky cell, just lifted the whole series or the whole story for me into a, a, a like a new plane. And it would take a respite. It would go to other scenes. We'd move along the map. We'd have different conversations and it would just become something that didn't feel cheesy because it was mixed in with the reality uh, with everything else. And we got a good long bath. We were just like soaking it up. You know what I mean? Like, hey, yeah, we enjoyed got this episode. Here's the style of it. This is the actual style of the episode. We're not doing anything fan service to apologize to you. Actually, we're just doing this because it's fun. Look how crazy that is. Look at Look at Tormund's giant horn full of of milk that's fermented that's going to get him drunk. Even Davos is going to drink. It felt like it was it's fun. call back to the same cadence and writing while being a thousand miles per hour. Yeah, that's that the thing. That made us fall in love. So it's 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 like, kind of hard to reconcile that feeling. When it's all happening, like even Brienne, when she was about to be knighted by Jamie, she's like, was this the moment? Maybe after all of this, maybe I was going to be knighted or something. But they're kind right. of just like looking at each other like, this might be all of this. This We were kind of maybe everyone was sort of waiting for something else to happen in there. Maybe like Lady Stoneheart to happen. Nothing ended up happening. Uh, here are the White Walkers. You know what I mean? Like they're here. And everybody's in the crypts. And they're all going to die down there. So, do you think let's that the crypts, so many of the, the, so much of the feedback that we've gotten from you guys who listen to the podcast, are this is like all these witty comments about, oh, yeah, the crypts are really safe. And this is, uh, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And we've seen, if you guys remember at the very end of season four, when the whites broke out of the ground, when the Brandon company were approaching the tree. So, we know that they have this sort of like, I was going to say that the White Walkers have some kind of field of, of being able to use their force that's like outside of what we can see, but those there wasn't any White Walkers around, and those Whites, I guess, were just kind of hiding and popping up at the right time, like a right. bad, like a bad area in a video game when you walk into it and they come out of the right. ground. So I don't know if if that's going to be done again. You know, like are they, is the Night King going to be able to stand outside of Winterfell and hold his arms in the air or even another one of those powerful semi-cold White Walkers and to animate, if they don't know that they're there, can they sort of feel their presence or is it like an overall like spell that they cast or something and they can just animate through the ground? I don't think so. I think 
So there's, I think, at least seven times in this episode where somebody says to somebody else that the Crips are the safest place in Winterfell. Yeah. Which to me is just way too much to ignore. I don't, a couple of things, I don't buy, and maybe you, I'd like to hear what you think. I don't buy into the theory that the Starks are going to be reanimated down there. I don't think that that's going to happen. I don't. I think that that's something that, from a show perspective, doesn't really work. And we've talked about that. And I also don't think that the there's going the Night King will like magically, from afar, make that happen. I I wonder if somebody gets down there. Mm. You know, halfway through the battle. Like breaks through and then like, yeah. then it's like another sequence where he's like, you thought you could just defeat me, but now this. Right. Or it's just slim pickings and they get down there and they kill a bunch of people and then yeah. somehow they all get turned. And that's Arya running through in the trailer away from people who are down in the crypts like Gilly and who else was asked to be down there? Tyrion. Gendry Varys. asks Arya if he's going to go down there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Varys, right. of course. So, to me, I think that that's probably I I see that happening. All these people that we really care about being turned down there. But I don't know. What do you think about the Stark theory or the reanimation of the dead in the crypts who are already dead? I think that it's more indicative of us just being curious about what is going to happen in the battle. And I've kind of been hesitant to start breaking down strategies because I I know that it's going to happen soon and I know there's only so many things that they can do and I kind of want to be surprised as much as possible. That's fair. But I don't know. It's It seems like they already have a pretty solid plan. You know what I mean? I feel like what I just said might have been spoiled a little bit by how good that scene was when they were in the planning room and who's who was surrounding the table. And it was just sort of very clearly laid out. We have dragon glass. We have these troops. We have this amount of people. It was check, uh, check, check. Yeah, it was like a good sort of casual. It was like a if you were starting a new game and it was like a starting area, it was like telling you all the tools at your disposal to win which i thought was a, a kind of uh could be considered not high fantasy sort of highbrow a way to explore like i'd be curious if they do it in a movie but with this has felt kind of futuristic in a way that it was used and it had really good sound and really uh, obviously it looked amazing so it just kind of whatever they're trying just looks like they really meant to do it and for me i felt like the nicely laid out little pieces on the map just sort of organized everything and it made sense of the chaos ahead of time almost like that they were doing us a favor the week ahead of the big game here's the map here's the tree and like here's the werewood tree and here's the art here's conveniently where everyone's going to be spread out in their places all sort of set up to face a different kind of doom that is a reflection of uh, the kind of stuff that they've been going through and what they're at this point sort of coming to a head with especially with jamie and brianne and we saw some of those promotional photos, and one of them is a, a picture of Brienne leading the Knights of the Vale of all people, which is an amazing thing for the now newly Sir Brienne of Tarth with Jamie at her side. Not over That's it. That's exciting. Still not over it. We'll That's never cool. be over it. That's exciting. I don't. I don't even know. So do you how have like four point nine 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 million questions left for me? Right. Question number two. No, I I think, can we get into the discussion questions? Because that's where a lot of my questions stem from. Yeah, let's do it. So for those of you who haven't listened to a previous episode, during the midweek episode, we like to ask all of you listeners 
what questions kind of were on our mind after the episode and kind of what questions we think are going to shape the episode going forward. And I'm doing a terrible job of explaining this, but we asked four questions (laughs) and we asked them on all of our social media platforms and we pulled together everybody's answers. And that's kind of what we use to frame this episode. So the first question that we asked goes a little something like this. Tyrion needs a big win to get back into Daenerys' good graces. Will he be able to regain her trust and continue on his hand of the queen? Which I think then spirals into kind of a broader conversation about Tyrion in general, Daenerys in general, because they're both in very interesting places as we go into this battle. Mm -hmm. It makes me think a lot about the story after the story here in the next episode. And uh, the comment that you have sourced here at the top from Rebecca J. McFarland on Facebook is pretty interesting. It says, I think Tyrion isn't going to get back in Daenerys' good graces because he is going to betray her and switch his loyalty to Jon Snow. And he sees her her only real concern is getting the Iron Throne. I'm more so thinking now about just the, the potential for Tyrion to betray Daenerys based on the information that Jamie verified in this episode and the way he that he did it about Cersei not lying about mm-hmm. being pregnant and also about how he react or also by rather how he reacted to it when she told him himself or herself and um I'm thinking about the relationship and about this is just, this has been a long-term thought over the course of the podcast and my relationship with these characters but um, just after seeing that comment and seeing those words put together, I was like, wait a second, this can't, this can't be, is this, would this potentially be, uh, a connection, uh, a thing that he would do for his sister. And I'm talking about betraying them in the abstract. I'm, I don't have an idea about how exactly it would go down, but for his family, for the Lannisters, for his sister, if put in the position, would he potentially sell out his friends if he thought that it was the right thing to do? I know that that's a completely different question, but it would blow the relationship that he has with Daenerys out of the water. And maybe it has, it's just, I'm just curious at why this is something that's so in, important for us to talk about. If it's not only for the completion of the arc and his relationship with Jorah and how that also ties in with how Daenerys and Janora or Janora and Jorah <laughs> <laughs> see each other and uh, how that sort of beautifully puts him in the position to receive Heartsbane and sort of complete that circle with Giro Mormont giving away his ancestral sword and then him receiving another. It's all just kind of balanced out in the end. I don't know if it's going to be one of those things where he's forced into a betrayal or he wants to betray or he feels compelled like he has no other option or he completely decides from his own decision that somebody else John is the best man for the job. That might be the way it goes. I was thinking that he really has a thing about pleasing people that have no interest in ever liking him. And it might be a really nice sort of last effort in the presence of Cersei to be like, I didn't poison Joffrey. I didn't do anything to you ever. And we may have been snotty to each other. And that goes deeper than what we've seen in the show and what we've read in the books. We only have a, an idea of the history and we know how, we know how they feel about each other, but I feel like it might be a very Tyrion thing to do. Or maybe it's more of a Jamie thing to do. Maybe it's more of a Lannister thing to do overall is to sort of stick it to the, to the point that you're trying to make even down to the very bitter end. And maybe he just wants Cersei to know what he is for real. 
Right, and how he truly feels and mm-hmm. that she's been the crazy one all along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think that it's hard for me to read the situation because is Danny genuinely upset at Tyrion for all these missteps that he's made? Or is she kind of upset at the situation that she's in? Kim Renfro, who writes for Insider, who's had on the show, wrote this article and talked a lot about Daenerys and the position that she's in right now and kind of how she's alone, and I'm butchering it like crazy, um, how she's being set up as this tragic character. And Kim's inspiration for the article was written, this essay that Eliana, who's also our friend, who's on Maester Monthly, Girls Gone Canon, I just... (laughs) About Daenerys being this Shakespearean tragic hero and how she's being set up to completely fall and fail and how she's in Winterfell and she's here where the emotional bonds are running deep and everybody has somebody and everybody has a connection and a history and a past. And Danny, who's finally made it to Westeros, thinking that this is where she was going to feel like home, is more isolated than ever. And Tyrion is kind of... Well, John, but John's not really talking to her right now. Tyrion is more than anybody, somebody that she can kind of take her frustration out on, that she's here and it doesn't feel like she thought it was going to feel. Yeah. And it just got me thinking a lot about her role as potentially becoming somebody like the Mad Queen, turning into her father, or potentially dying and not making it to the end. And would Tyrion stick by her through all these types of things? I don't know. It just brought up a lot of really interesting questions about betrayal from all of these big players. And by big players, I pretty much just mean Tyrion and Danny and John at this point that I think are pulling the strings. At the end of the episode, it was like after all is said and done and all of these really great people came together, the way that it ends, uh, Tyrion walking out in the battlements, or sorry, John and Danny walking out in the battlements and meeting Tyrion and, uh, the camera panning to the White Walkers. I just thought that was really beautiful. Like, oh, by the yeah. way, these are the guys that this is all sort of coming down to. And it would take something like this, I think, to push the people that we've grown to trust for all of these various reasons and for all the various reasons they've grown to trust each other along the way to force them to make these difficult decisions. Like if things start to go south and Danny decides to use her forces in a way that maybe it doesn't go along with whatever everyone thought, you know, like how, how it would go. We don't know what's going to happen in the face of the onslaught from the living dead. Right. Hmm. Or think about, you know, everybody survives at the end and we're all one big happy family. And Sansa comes to Danny, who's now sitting on the iron throne and says, what's up with the North? We're not going to bend the knee. Right. And Daenerys is married to her brother, you know, mm-hmm. the, the most happy go lucky version of, of the ending still puts Danny in this tough tragic situation. So I think that the situation that you just described is going to be is is what the all of the talk about Daenerys and the position that she's in now being in Westeros surrounded by people who have all these people. I think that that's what is at the essence of it. And if we if we get to that point where that decision or that conversation needs to be made or that conversation needs to be had, I think that it's going to be really difficult now after what John has been told by Bran and what after John's already told Daenerys he knows about himself for Daenerys to sort of just say, uh, you know, that was a crazy fight. I'm really sad about everyone that died, including people that are really important to me, almost definitely Jorah. But I'm still going to take the North. John's going to say, I'm the king. And everyone's going to go, we agree with him. 
The only difference there would be Daenerys would have to have soul power over the remaining dragons, and she would have to be able to swiftly defeat anyone who stands against her. And that's what we've learned from Fire and Blood is necessary to maintain your power as a Targaryen when you're standing against people that surround you and they decide that they no longer like the situation that you're in. But Mm -hmm. if she doesn't roast them with her dragons, then I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Hmm. So that's why you wrote this question first. Yeah. It's like, by the way, we have this battle coming, but also the rest of this is also going to happen. Well, to me, coming out of this episode, this was the number one question that I had in terms of long end game. Because Mm -hmm. I think that Danny and Tyrion are both making it out of this episode, whether, you know, whatever side they come out on. But something semi-related, Scott Murphy on Facebook brought up an interesting point. They said Tyrion and Bran have made a secret plan together. (laughs) And upon my rewatch, what could possibly be the most interesting conversation happening in Winterfell that day is between Tyrion and Bran. And we get none of it. I know. If only we were trapped at a castle. Can you imagine? Because Tyrion is going to ask all the right questions. He's going to be like, so what's the deal with cold hands? And he's like, cold hands is actually Benjamin Stark. Can you believe it? Mind blowing. After all that that. time. Yeah. (laughs) He can find out everything. So And how would Tyrion apply that information in this episode where we've been reminded several times that his mind is his greatest tool, just in case you Mm -hmm. forgot. He doesn't only drink, but he also knows things. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's cut the the first one out for a second and remember his mind. Yeah. So Will Tyrion and Bran make a secret plan and overthrow everybody together and ride off into the sunset? I don't think so, but I, that scene is so intriguing to me. And I think that we could have spent five hours in that episode in Winterfell exploring all these side conversations and giving them the weight that they deserved. And we wouldn't, still wouldn't have enough time. But lots of things going on. Daenerys and Sansa, really quick. I was on my rewatch, I was just sort of hit with a wave of, well, holy crap. This is, I, I love A Song of Ice and Fire. I love spending all these intimate chapters with these characters. And these are two of the characters that we get to really understand and and delve into the minds of. And I wasn't uh, ever thinking about the potential of this in-game content being Daenerys and Sansa conversations. I know that that sounds kind of small when you look at it just like that. But just the idea of what they've all gone through, their collective trauma and their collective aspirations to just be like, here's the end game conversations, Sansa and Daenerys and Jon Snow's in the mix and Arya's in the mix with Gendry. I'm really excited to see how it comes out in the books, but it's, it's, well, it's been really fun to see how uh, the writers have interpreted it. That information, if that's the information that they've gotten from George, I think they did a pretty good job in this episode putting it together. Especially if they 1, only get like percent. one scene, you know, if they only get like 1, enough percent. time for that one conversation, I think that they they hit a lot of beats and uh, they were really standoffish from each other. Really just like anything bad could happen or good. Who knows? They're getting to know each other. Yeah. Like, can you believe we're at the point where they're sitting down face to face, both bringing their strengths to the table? Should we move on to the second question, which is the real question that's been on everyone's mind this week? Did you say I won't? I won't say. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, go go into it. I'm not going to spoil what you said was the unlikely leader in all this. I'll just read the question. <laughs> go for it. What character is guaranteed to survive the battle? What character is guaranteed to die? 
So the way this works is... I delete every tally in favor of the hound right now. The hound living or the hound dying? Dying. Oh, that was the survive column. Yeah. Oh, bingo. Put together this great spreadsheet. and <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> the idea behind this question is guaranteed to survive. Because I think that there's a lot of characters running around in our minds. But if you had to put money, you had to bet your life savings on one character surviving and one character dying, who would you pick? I'm going to say that and Solid or Son will definitely survive this fight. Okay. That's no fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're probably right. I'm going to say, based on the conversation we just had, Tyrion, because his mind is so important. Mm-hmm. That would probably mean Daenerys as well. But you okay. asked me to only say one person. Yeah. You can say two. Is it weird that I think that most of the people that we like are going to survive? Because we have so many episodes left. I don't think so. I mean, I think plot armor is slowly falling away, but I do think that there are still a couple characters that really have plot armor. I think that Tyrion is one of them. I think that Daenerys is one of them. I think that Jon's one of them. Those are the only guarantees that I'm going to make. So you think that the Night King might kill Bran at the Godswood? I could see the Night King killing Bran at the Godswood. I could see, like, the Night King kills Bran... Theon tries to save him, but then Theon dies, and then Bran gets killed, and then they're scrambling because they've lost a family member, they've lost Bran who knows what anything is going on, and then Sam is scrambling to write his book. <laughs> but Bran's in a very vulnerable position, so... He's so confidently going out there, though. Who do you say... Who's your guarantee... To die. Guaranteed to die this week. This Sunday night. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Brienne. Really? She just got knighted, and that was the happiest smile I've ever seen in the show. Oh, my gosh. That scene, that scene, that scene. Yeah. Everybody already knows. I don't I like even need to say anything. Everyone stands up. They're like, we can't even not pretend like, this is happening at first everyone's sort of ready for it just to like not be a thing that was serious jamie seemed like he was transitioning into it in a way that was sort of mildly dubious but not quite he has a funny relationship with brianne that not everyone's privy to that we're privy to but they could probably pick up the vibe of pretty easily but the second it started being a real thing they couldn't help but stand up that was a i think we all kind of shared that collective moment when we realized what was happening and how much it actually meant to brianne when you think about their history Mm -hmm. and you think about the fact that she actually respects jamie for the kind of knight that he is and so that's a big deal for her to get knighted by that particular person a former member of the king's guard now on the eve of this battle battle for the living she gets knighted it's a cool thing when she looks up at him oh yeah podrick for sure being there when she looks up at him and she's starting to cry right when he f- finishes knighting her. That gets me every time. Her little tears welling in her eyes is just gets me every time. So Brienne, it's going to be extra sad when she dies on Sunday is what I'm saying. I know. I, I get why everybody says that. I'm just not quite ready to 100% say that for myself. Um, My answer for this is, ooh, Gendry. Little sad. No offense. I don't care if Gendry dies. Like no disrespect <laughs> to Gendry at all. But like I, he's neither here nor there, and people I'm going to cry about. It's like we've right? had, we we've used him for what was necessary. Yeah, exactly. Your job is done, sir. We're done. 
Um, I think my answer is going to be Grey Worm, which I think is a little bit of a cop-out answer. Maybe not, but I feel like that might be the safest answer. It's a safe answer. I want to read off everybody else's thoughts. The number one person that, and this is just me quickly tallying everybody's responses across social media platforms, the number one person guaranteed to survive is Jon Snow. The next in line is Sam, Sansa, and Arya. Which is interesting to me because I think Arya could very easily be on the die list at this point. More so than any other Stark. Based on what? I don't know. I just feel like, not that she doesn't have an important role to play, because I think that she, especially as we talk about her as a faceless assassin, what she can accomplish in a place like King's Landing when they're going after Cersei. But I feel like in terms of Stark kids... She's got the least amount left. Yeah, but could she's you got the stuff that we could cut. The scenario you just described, where I know we, we thought that we thought we'd already gotten most of the cojones from Game of Thrones, the final season, but instead we've got this amazing. She's seeing the cat from the first season, and she's following it around, but in a, a different person's body. Wow. Maybe she's in Kyburn's. She's in Kyburn's robe, and she's just sneaking around, or just sort of openly. Traveling around King's Landing, and then we get to see her pay back Cersei in a way that I don't know we, that puts the what she did to the phrase to shame. Now, that well, some cool. people some people think that when we think about Valencar theory, that it's Arya wearing Jamie's face. That Jamie dies at the battle. Jamie dies at the Battle of Winterfell along Brienne in the in the arms of the woman that he loves, and then Arya wearing Jamie's face kills Cersei. Hmm. So that's who said survives. The top folks for dying for sure, number one on the list from our listeners is Theon. Around the front lines. Yeah. Maybe taking some of the heaviest blows. I think that, and there's no better redemption than him trying to save Bran. So that made me feel sad. Shouldn't Jamie be the one that's there trying to save Bran? I guess, but when you think about what Theon has done for the Starks, or has done to the Starks, yeah. and how he he said he should have died next to Rob, and he never got that chance because he turned out to be a bad guy for a little while, mm-hmm. now he's got that opportunity. That's a pretty poetic way to round him out. It's almost like it was designed to make us cry when he <laughs> dies. It's going to work. It's going to work. It's, it's really hard talking about this. This just this part of it. I'm. We've done this before on the podcast, but looking at this list, I mean, you never see all these names in the same place at one time. So you think that if the Hound survives, we'll get another scene between Sandor and Arya, or that was the final time there on the battlements? I don't know. It's so hard to say. Unless Arya is sitting courtside to the game bowl. Oh my god. She's cheering him on. She's like, I will actually cheer for this. I will stop yeah. fighting and I will actually cheer for this. Please, I know that you guys have already filmed it. Please do our boy Sandor Clegane the right way. That's all I ask. You brought him back. I want to see him take down his brother in epic fashion. I want to see him hold his brother's face into the flames. Get high. That's not too much to ask. No, that's not too much to ask. It's a good thing that you don't have your headphone on speaker right now, so your sister like doesn't hear this side of the conversation. <laughs> that's I know, right? Particularly violent, violent set of circumstances that we're all cheering for, but it's totally she normal. Understand in the context of this fantasy series. That's what Sunday is going to be. So, 
Or maybe not. Maybe we're, maybe like we've got it all wrong and Sunday is going to be a win for us and that all the worst stuff has passed. If we're following the model of good precedes bad as nature opens and swallows up what hope might remain before it reminds you just how complete it actually is, a night of the seven kingdoms would be the ultimate last breath before utter devastation. This rolls into the next question, which I have questions for as we talk about what happens at the battle and kind of what happens next. Will Cersei play a part in the Battle of Winterfell? What is next for her in King's Landing? Do you think... Sorry. Lay it on me. I've been wanting to ask you this question for days. Have you heard the theory about the Night King abandoning Winterfell and flying off to King's Landing to handle Cersei Lannister? I'm thinking about that vision of Bran when he was loaded all that information after the door. Mm -hmm. And I believe he was actually shown that at the beginning of season five, the uh, the initial vision that showed the shadow of a dragon crossing over the bright lit sunlit city of King's Landing, at least the, the city area, not the actual palace itself. I can't remember if the shadow had, holes (laughs) i don't think that it did i don't think that it did (laughs) but what i'm saying is i think that might that might have been the moment that he saw that brand when he was given that that information i'm trying to say Mm -hmm. as slow as possible because i'm giving you any opening to jump in and be like i thought that too or that's completely preposterous do you think that i'm actually talking about what might be a victorious landing later or is the place not being a ruin of devastation sort of a giveaway that Bran might have actually been seeing the Night King flying into King's Landing while this battle's taking place or at some other point maybe that same thing's happening and I just sort of set that up and it's not actually going to be happening during the battle right yeah I don't know what do you think I think that Bran made it pretty clear in the little pre-battle powwow that the Night King's after him and him alone And so I don't necessarily understand the motivation for the Night King to then destroy Cersei and then loop on back around at Mm -hmm. Winterfell. Yeah. I understand that there's this idea that maybe this battle is going to play out in a way that's unexpected. And I think that somebody wrote a comment says, yeah, Angeline Flynn wrote, not sure she will have a role talking about Cersei, possibly the Night King detours with dragon and attacks king's landing showrunners hinted that things might not play out like our characters think and then that meaning that the real attack is going to be elsewhere i think that as you're mentioning brand's vision 100 percent we're going to get stuff like that but i think that that comes after i think that that comes after the night king wins at winterfell and that because i i, I don't see his motivation hmm it would be uh, an interesting way to split the forces up. Like if if maybe he knew or expected that th- some kind of trap would be laid for them, that more needed to be done to create an even more absolute victory. When I look at the forces that Daenerys and Jon Snow have at their command, this is a serious force. And we're led to believe that it's a serious force. And Winterfell is this last bastion for all of these people, not only hardy northern individuals, but the Knights of the Vale and all the Dothraki screamers, and not to mention all of the Unsullied. We're hardened, 
it's cold and we've got nothing else to do other than to try as hard as we can to reinforce the place that we're fighting to dig trenches and to set up strategic gaps that we're going to see probably displayed in a crazy way on Sunday night and to put obsidian all over the surface of absolutely everything to tip it on arrows to have the battlements be spiky to have the to fix the wooden barricades that they're building with actual spikes of dragon glass i think that when i was think when i was thinking about the the last stands of the living I, I early in the days of game of thrones in the moments that were just being set up and then that we're calling back to so much in this past episode i thought that it would be scarier i guess i didn't know that we'd be so well prepared i didn't know we'd have that much dragon glass i'm definitely <laughs> frightened and i'm scared for a lot of reasons that are obvious that this was especially related to characters dying. But if I'm trying to do the God mode and zoom out on this and just hope that it goes well for everyone, it looks like there's a decent chance at what you're saying that that might be the case, that they might actually do a really good job. And I thought that maybe if it just entertaining the idea of the Night King potentially diverting, I don't think that it's the only idea or that it's even one of the leading ones, depending on how you feel. It would be a way for him to further complicate things for everyone because he's actually standing up against a force that could actually slip through and kill him with dragon glass because they have two dragons and they have so many people fighting for them. I know that they're the army of the dead and that's really scary, but they don't fight as good as knights do. And there's a lot of people that have nothing else to do and they're ready to just be primal and savage and they're ready to fucking kill because that's the only chance that they have and so i think that they have a pretty good chance against these guys it's like you envisioned that they would be caught off guard almost yeah but they're not when you rewatch this episode listen with the volume turned all the way up or with some headphones on and listen how nearly every scene until it gets really dark and we're by the fireplace at night has a loud background of guys training of weapons being put together Watch the uh, inside the episode. I forget what they called it. I think it's like how the game gets made or game makers or something. It's like a 18 minute feature that they made on the actual production of this episode. And you get to see the the people that worked on the art for this, the way that they developed Winterfell over time, that this place is is teeming with activity and that what they're doing is illustrating a people that are prepared for this as best as possible. You know what I mean? Like look at Arya. Mm -hmm. She has enough time to sleep with Gendry. We have enough time to have these drinks by the fireplace and to get progressively drunk. Like everyone's kind of done their job. Yeah. It's going to be really hard, but everyone's done, done their job. And I don't know what else the night King could do to surprise everyone other than to wake people in the crypts and to create extra soldiers inside the castle. You know, like a, mm-hmm. an even scarier force that comes from the inside. That is really shitty. If we think about the Battle of Helm's Deep again, one thing that the Urukai did with Saruman as their leader, they had this technology that wasn't like no one really knew about. They're like, what is this? It was this really crude like bomb one of these berserkers carried in there and uh, or the, a bunch of them carried in there. And then this crazy dude who I guess was overbred, like they put a torch in his hand and he ran like a crazy person and it exploded the wall. And that was like this big moment in that battle where the tide turned, they used this unknown technology to create a breach. And that breach led to them not being able to stem off those opponents because they had to previously climb ladders to attack them over the wall. And so if we're 
not that this has to reflect the the Battle of Helm's Deep anyway. We know that George R. R. Martin's uh, a big Tolkienite, and that it's possible that, like in a lot of ways, they've sort of given credence to, or rather, given props. I don't know what you, what is it called when you like something Draw a lot. Inspiration. <laughs> there you go. But know. but in a way that's really obvious and a very good nod. Like Podrick singing was a lot like when we had Pippin singing in. Lord of the Rings. It's sort of like a, a pre-battle moment where uh, we can cut to a, a montage very moodily and it all makes sense to us and you know, all of our priorities are kind of laid in line. Mm-hmm. I'm kidding. I'm getting off topic here, but... I don't think you're getting too far off topic. I think that everything to you is tied up too nicely in a bow for it to go even worst case scenario, which is that Winterfell falls... All of those things are much too obvious, I think, is what you're trying to say. I was just meaning like if we're if we're going to be looking to other examples from history that we can expect that even with all of the bad stuff that's coming, we've done a lot of preparation and that it's not going to be enough because something is going to happen that's going to surprise us. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Night King is pretty good at surprising us at this point. I was entertaining the idea that he could have changed path and changed path and like uh, went down to King's Landing and maybe he would stir up some shit down there. But it's more likely that what Bran is saying is true and that the Night King is going to assault the Godswood with an ice dragon. And that's going to look pretty crazy. I think so. Yeah, I think I just don't I think I might be underestimating the Night King, to be honest with you. In the sense that I don't see... Never underestimate someone with posture that's that perfect. Honestly, so true. But I just don't see why he would care about anybody. To me, I see him as very much a one-track mind. Now that he's got to Bran, he's very quickly moving his way south. To me, I see him as, as a character who is solely focused on that and isn't going to care or try to care about anything else other than whatever he wants with Bran. So just killing the living. So do you think that his agenda is simply that it's not only to, to take out the three eyed Raven because there's some kind of weird mystical area that they share in the, the void, but that he, for some reason he knows through the same technology that allows him to see things with the tree and it communicating directly with the children of the forest and those being the people that created the Night King. You think that he just, that's the way he found out about Bran and he's just like, man, I hate the humans. I hate everyone. And I can't have a complete victory unless this guy dies. So I'm going to go kill him first. Well, because if he wipes out Bran, then he, he gains control over all of that. Do you Whereas think that he gains now, the power to do that himself? Or? No, I don't think he gains the power, but I think he's the only one with any sort of power in that the human race then can't do that. Right. It's, it takes another player out the game of his total dominance of... Oh, I see. So that's like uh, uh, the the kind of of let's just call it magic that those old beings were able to harness and to use the, the knowledge about not only the memory, but the knowledge about how to technically interface with the werewood trees and uh, how to create Jojen paste, etc., will not be able to be passed down by brand because he hasn't trained anyone else. And that who knows how long it'll be before another person that's born, maybe never right. born with that ability. Exactly. Well, and think about 
the Three-Eyed Raven's deep desire to get Bran there fast so mm-hmm. that he could train him and he could learn the things that he needs to know and all of that got cut short and all that kind of stuff. I think that you get rid of Bran, you get rid of the human connection to that magic and that ability and then that gives the Night King an edge over everyone and everything else. So, so when they're fighting, he goes right for Bran, plans to spread his troops around to deal with the same sort of militaristic efforts that would be expected outside of the castle. I don't know if they would have any idea on how to break their ranks into strategic pieces, but they'd probably be crazy enough to know that if they brought out something like ice spiders three quarters into the match, <laughs> that it would disillusion their enemies in a way that it might break the morale of all the living people. And also it might break the internet from hashtags oh, and memes sure. being invented. <laughs> that would be unbelievable. All of this to say, I think you're right in what you're saying that there's got to be some sort of twist that we don't understand or comprehend or see coming because things look too perfect almost at this point. But I personally don't see that as him heading to King's Landing first. I'm also but just could be wrong. proud of our faves for getting it all together because it seemed like maybe we wouldn't get it all together in time, but everything seems John like it's Snow really got everybody together. He really did that. Aegon Targaryen. God, it's so crazy seeing that scene again. And uh, the way that they sort of shot his angle when he was talking to Daenerys from her height, it just makes him look taller than he normally is, which isn't that tall usually. And they just kind of made him look a little bit more like, hey, this is a Targaryen. You might not know what that is, but it means that he should probably be in charge. And she's like, ah, he is a Targaryen. I'm seeing how Targaryen he is for the first time. Just makes me want him more. Swagger in his step. I don't know what that is. Is it something to do with my bloodline? What is this tug I have to be with someone that's in my family? <laughs> Why is no one talking about the fact that John rides a dragon? <laughs> Isn't that kind of funny? Why didn't I was thinking the same she thing. say, "Oh yeah, that makes sense"? That you're a Targaryen because you jumped on the back of that dragon and you took off, man. You knew exactly what to do. And for some reason, since the middle of season seven. He did not know exactly what to do. Well, he knew he didn't die. That's true. I would say that that's a pretty good, pretty good. That's good enough. Yeah. I don't know if that's been the same. There's probably an ancient Targaryen dragon rider who fell off even though that they were accepted by the dragon. Anyway, now we are breaking into things that are off topic. Uh, bringing it back a little bit to this question about Cersei, a couple other things have come up. So lots of consensus and folks saying that they don't think that Cersei herself is necessarily going to take a part in this unless the theory about the Night King heading down to King's Landing turns into turns correctly. But there are some speculation and theorizing that Cersei will be betrayed by somebody like Euron or Braun taking the Golden Company up to Winterfell. Either they go up to fight or things fall at Winterfell and the Golden Company or Huron are there to sweep things up and finish the deed. Mm. So we have our most mo- the most mobile of our faves escape Winterfell when they've just experienced victory over the dead. Maybe this happens in the episode following. Let's say the the Golden Company rides in, although it'd be really difficult for them to make it there in time, but I'm not sure what's going to happen. We don't, timelines don't matter anymore. Yeah, We know this. And that's like a cliffhanger and then it's revisited. 
man, that would be so devastating. That's one of those things where when it happens, the taste in your mouth is just indescribably bad after the devastating loss of things and people that are irreplaceable, aren't coming back, and that are so important to you. Also, now Cersei gets some strange disjointed victory that she lazily sort of organized with the Iron Bank based on gold that they stole from someone else. It's been a while since Game of Thrones has made us feel that bad. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. That's like Ned saying, I lied about everything. And then they're being like, okay, good. Now that you've said that, we're going to go ahead and take your head off. I hope Headless Ned doesn't carry Headless Ned's head in the Crypts of Winterfell. That would be a sad ending to how all this has gone. Especially after Jamie gets all these beautiful moments. The guy who stabbed Jory Cassell through the eye with a dagger. Come on. What I'm most concerned about is Braun. When we wrote this question, Hannah, I was my first thought for this. You were in an airplane and I was marveling at modern technology, how we were able to talk about this TV show while you were flying through the sky. Mm -hmm. And my idea about this Cersei question was, what about Braun? And could this be a dangerous situation for him to enter, but to potentially take advantage of the chaos and to reap the rewards that she's promising him? Or could that be an opportunity for Braun to travel and arrive and maybe maybe bring help or maybe not bring help and that that would be weird but it's an option that we can entertain and turn down his ways and maybe enjoy the same kind of a send-off where we feel warmly about him before all this goes down like do you think that Braun is going to be a casualty of the realness of the world where things just go bad like if Arya was killed after all is said and done after she got this great new weapon it's kind of like when Tyrion told Bronn, no matter what somebody pays, I'll pay you double or I'll pay you more. Mm-hmm. Whatever anybody offers you, I'll offer you more. It's like Bronn coming to him and saying, <laughs> hey, here's what I was offered, but I wanted to talk to you about it man to man. And Tyrion <laughs> goes, thanks for letting me know. I don't think Bronn's going to show up at Winterfell. No. I don't think, I mean, I think that Cersei charged him to clean up the mess if they don't make it. And to me, why would he go all the way up to Winterfell if he could just hang out in King's Landing and wait for them to I'm show up? I guess I'm just reaching for the conclusion to potential storylines with the, the crossbow thing that was brought up. Mm-hmm. When when stuff is highlighted in the series with as much as a prop, especially a prop that has historical significance, then it's something to pay attention to normally. They have this like cosmic importance sparkling around them, like the dagger that was used to potentially murder Bran at the beginning of the series, that dagger now being in the hands of Arya. I guess I'm just saying that I don't think that we would have wasted screen time on it for it not to come into play. So it's it's potential. There's potential there. There's got to be a resolution. Yeah. So that's like Twilight in the season then, you think? Later episodes, we add insult to injury and we have to sort of in a tough way, based on all the stuff that we've been through, surviving the Battle of Winterfell, maybe the Night King's dead, maybe we're still running from him, and then Bronn has the audacity to bring some old school shit into the mix. Yeah, because I think that I think that Tyrion's going to make it, and I think that Tyrion's going to eventually be at King's Landing, and I think that that could be the possibility for Bran to confront Tyrion in whatever way he decides he wants to confront him, whether that's to do away with him or whether that's to warn him that he's been asked to do away with him. I haven't yet decided. 
I've heard but, people call Bran Braun, but I've never heard people called Braun Bran. Did I call him Bran? <laughs> yeah, which is cool though when you think about really? it. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can interchange those people. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Bran Braun, it all sounds the same thing. But you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's easy to call Bran Braun sometimes because when you're reading these fantasy books, you want to hear the end of add it. a little bit I'm of fl- <laughs> you want to add a little bit of flourish to the names. I've called Bran Braun so many times over the course of this podcast because when you look at it, it's just B R A N. That could be Braun, but it's not. <laughs> alas, could we have just like let it go? <laughs> it has to be <laughs> a thing. Anyway, you know what I'm trying to say. So. Sorry to spend so much time on a kind of useless question, everyone, but it did open up some useless conversation about. Yeah other stuff in Battle of Winterfell, which is what all of this was supposed to do. Question number four. Do you want to do the honors? How will Melisandre return to the story? You came up with this question. (sighs) I'm going to go to our first comment from Ron Mosca. Let's just take this in a a very particular direction. A right hook right out of the gate. Melisandre is already in Winterfell. She's the little girl who reminded Davos of Shireen. Now, that could be metaphysical, and that could have some figurative meaning attached to it, Ron, or you could literally mean that she's glamoring into that little girl. This theory is super interesting. I haven't yet decided what I think about it. I have a few days to do so. (laughs) But I think that this theory is super interesting and not something I was thinking about at all until I read comments bringing it up. So this is something that more than one person are saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a couple different comments. I didn't put... All of them on here. Ron's was the first one that I saw. So, but there was a couple other people who alluded to something similar happening. I don't know if if she has that ability. I know that in the book series that she has the ability to sort of pass this on to other people using magical objects. But, and we know that that's how her necklace her necklace makes her appear to not have any of the aging that her body has. But it still seems like that's who she is, right? Do you think that there's also some kind of technology that we don't know about that she's able to completely change form? I mean, she pretty completely changes form. Yeah, you're right. From being as old and it's a glow up, withering all the away. <laughs> she's withering away. She's like, I got this jade roller. I've been rolling myself all night. I'm into jade rollers, so <laughs> right? they really work. That's Melisandre's secret. You heard it here first. But I, I think that is she powerful enough to do that? Different question. Well, Maybe. What would be the point? If she were there to sort of test Davos in that moment and to see what, or to give him the ability to reconcile the loss that he had with Shireen off, like when he was not watching her. I think that Melisandre is not welcome in Winterfell mm. at all. Mm. I don't think there's any, I think almost maybe even more than somebody like Jamie. there's no one to vouch for her in Winterfell. And so I think she knows that. So I think this is maybe possibly her way of, Getting into the mix because she has to play some sort of role. Because who was it? Barrick says in at this episode that the this is the Lord of Lights moment before the Hound shuts him up. And Melisandre has been going on and on for five quadrillion years that the Great War is coming. And this is it, right? So she's got to somehow be part of it. And this could be her way to show up in the thick of it without having to make any sort of awkward interests into Winterfell. Mm. 
I guess it all depends on how right Beric is. If this if this is the Lord of Lights moment, then mm-hmm. I guess it's almost guaranteed that she's going to have this moment or this sequence or this reveal in the Battle of Winterfell. But if this this isn't the moment, then I think that what you just described is basically going to be her in at some point later on. And she's not going to survive it if we're basing her side threat to Varys. If we're calling that the truth then. So again, that doesn't really matter because a lot of people are going to die. This is the end of the series, but it's something worth talking about. She's potentially doing a selfless act. And so it could be in defense of the living, which she is what she says that her whole deal is about. Could it be she arrives like Gandalf in the Battle of Helm's Deep? We look to the east to see the sun rising. She bursts over the hills with all these pyromancers. They like climbed ladders of fire to reach the battle in time. They come save the day. They come save the day. I don't love the save the. I I hope that they, we don't. The Battle of the Bastards had the ultimate save the day moment. I don't necessarily want to do another moment like that, but I don't know. It could happen. But do you think that this is the Lord of Lights moment then, and that she'll definitely have something to do with events on Sunday? I mean, we've got two battles left. One of them is the Lord of Lights moment, right? Like, are we going to, is Azura High going to be a thing at the end of season eight? Is any of that going to matter? Because we've got two episodes, two battles left. So it's either this one, the fight for the living or the dead, or it's the one that presumably in King's Landing down the road. Shadow babies are real. The leeches are real. Probably Azura High is real in some abstract way. She's been, what, doing her thing out in Volantis, gathering more followers for the Lord of Light, recruiting reinforcement, I guess. What if getting she stronger. brings the elephants that Cersei wanted so badly? Oh, finally. It's like, what a surprise. We have fire elephants. All the ice spiders are like, shit, this is the only thing we could <laughs> e- literally would ever be scared of. They have obsidian, <laughs> like, tarred all along their tusks. I'd be into it. I'd be into it, but I just don't think that's going to happen, guys. I think that we saw what's going to happen. I think that we saw the infantry. I think that we can sort of guess what the angles are going to look like that they're shooting. We can guess that there's going to be some really badass tracking shots. They're probably going to take advantage of that elaborate set of Winterfell. And we'll see people running or maybe getting chased by um, whites. And we're definitely not going to see them chasing whites. Wouldn't that be like a turn for the battle? No, like they all turn start turning around like White Walkers. You remember how the White Walker in Hard Home, his face was like, oh shit, Jon Snow might be yeah. the man. Like yeah. what if they all started running like, oh shit. Jon Snow's Azora High and he's like, his fl- his sword's on fire and he's just, he's fire shooting out of his eyes and Melisandre's- Look how much dragon glass he has. Naked. She's like, I can't stand it. This is amazing. This is <laughs> the moment that I've been waiting for. Um, I was going to say something. Yeah, thanks. Go for oh, it. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I love when people go, um, to like buy their moment ahead of time when people are talking excitedly. It's like a way to pause it. It's like, I like what you're saying, no. but I got, I want to say something here in a second. Um, I don't remember what I was going to say. Sorry about that. I was going to ask you, I wasn't trying to cut you off, but I was going to ask you, what do you think? Do you think that this is the Great War? And do you think that she's coming back in this episode? Or do you think that something else is going to happen? It's really tough to say because we've got some other facts that are weighing in on what potential deer rising could be. We don't have a lot of time to do it. Even 
the series as a whole only has a handful of weeks to come down to, but we've got for sure a pair of episodes that are being directed by Miguel Sapochnik, who's become a legendary director in the series for bringing a certain level of finesse to the way he manages battles. That being said, he also brought that same finesse to the winds of winter and he's brought an equally measured level of finesse to elements that are not specifically around scary, harrowing things and dangerous, violent conclusions in battle. So this could be the final battle, at least the final battle in the sense that it is a, uh, like a highlight, a high point of the season, the way that the they're presenting game of Thrones as a whole. And there could be, further skirmishes later when we're getting past the enemies. But once you defeat the Night King, I feel like all of the other battles are probably going to be less about the the scale of military and how scary life potentially being deleted by this strange horde of zombies and more so how it's it would be really zoomed in on those points of view. Mm-hmm. Blackwater was really scary because we cared about the people that were involved, but also we, we had not really seen anything like this before in the series. So we were just like, what could possibly happen? But we've seen so many skirmishes since then. And we're, we're used to people like Arya, even, even Arya since the beginning of season four being involved in potentially deadly situations. So, but yeah, not quite as potentially deadly situations because, there's people who we've always known that we're gonna make it no matter what. So I think that I think that it it brings the level of fear up a little bit higher than maybe it does otherwise in other mid season. Oh, battles. definitely, yeah, because it's gonna go down. So if this, but but yeah, I think that if the Night King is destroyed, though, but don't you think that those later it would just be with like a maybe a different. Just a different vibe. I know that might not be the best way to describe it, but maybe you guys know what I mean when I say if once he's gone, we can kind of that would be a wholly different era because it was the opening scene of the series. So like that would be like moving forward in the Star Wars franchise, knowing Han Solo's dead and he was alive for a really long time, and then all of a sudden it's just gone. It would be like that, and we have a few episodes left to sort of go through the paperwork through yeah but what what matters once right once they lose once the white walkers lose what really 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 matters after that the friends we made this is why i'm not in charge it's about the friends we made along the way well (laughs) we gotta remember though too that this is the longest battle sequence shot in cinematic history or something crazy completely dramatic like that and so to how can we have the a battle with that proportion and not be the one that melisandre has been harping on about for her whole life. That's also a very good point. Whatever happens, we'll at least we'll do it together. Wow. It's so true. I wanted to read one comment from this last question, which is the bonus question of, will we finally see ice spiders, excuse me, spiders, ice spiders as big as hounds. And Victoria Lynn wrote something so interesting. They said, I read a theory that the story about the ice spiders comes from the image of the whites scaling the side of the wall on all fours, looking like spiders. When they did that in the door episode, that was, Mm -hmm. that really sealed it for me. I know we're going to see so much of that. That makes sense, though. Is that kind of neat? If that looked, yeah. 
But gosh, man, ice spiders. I would like to I see know. them in Game of Thrones and not just World of Warcraft. Let me tell you, there are these dungeons that you can run through and it's like mm-hmm. all spider people and it's terrifying. Sounds horrible. It's very horrible. And that would be just so demoralizing if it happened in the Battle of Winterfell. This is our last So, of course, chance, I want to so. see it. Yeah, so yeah. please. <laughs> I know that Christian is not coming back as an undead Hodor, but they did scan him, he was saying, in every way for CGI and shit. So, who knows? Oh, yeah. They could totally do that because they have all that on a right. hard drive. Could you know what I mean? If they wanted to, they could just Or do something that. that looks vaguely like him. That would be a, a callback exactly. of, like, we would recognize him. They could totally do that. I wouldn't be surprised. What are you looking forward to most on Sunday? Like what resolution or what potential catastrophe or... Can I say the cliche answer? Which one? Going through it all together. <laughs> um, I mean, that's I probably know. the best answer. It's really, it's hard to say. I, I'm just, I'm looking forward to getting to the other side of this battle because I think that everything has led up to it for so long that getting to the other side to start to see where the pieces fall and how things really are going to end. We can't really do that right now because this is so looming over our heads. And I'm just, I'm looking forward to, even though it's going to be hard to see people we care about die, I feel super confident after this last episode that it's going to be done in a way that's going to feel right and that there's going to be justice and we're going to feel as if they went out in the way that they were supposed to go out. What about you? I want to see how savage the Night King wants to win and how well effort, like well effort, (laughs) how well concerted the efforts of the White Walkers are and what they've brought for their final assault. Like what, what is their real plan? What does it, the army did look like with an ice dragon flying over it? The stuff that I've been afraid of coming to be in the series since I started watching it, I know a lot of it is about to happen. I know that they're about to march on Winterfell and we started in Winterfell and none of this was happening. We had a lone night's watch ranger run south of the wall and be beheaded for trying to warn them about this mm-hmm. and it's all about co- this day about this day and it's all coming to, to a head on sunday so i'm just really interested to know like i guess what you said to be on the other side of this battle but not only in the story but for all of us that are watching it and reading about it together it's a really unique way to do it we're not reading the chapter in a dream of spring on our own and then going online and seeing what everyone thinks about it in forums or with the hashtag we're still doing that in a way but it's something that involves a lot of people and uh i think it's a really unique way to get to the end of the story or get to the end of this part of the story so basically the same answer you just gave we're on the same page i want to see ghost kill, kill the, all the night king. oh wait no, sorry the 2k19 <laughs> i want to see ghost live and survive redundancies with white walkers dire wolves it's gonna be amazing regardless it's now time for us to move on to owns for an episode like i said before that could have been crafted out of the warm moments the things that well i guess there's there's some hijinks and mischief in there too but all all in a warm way right and maybe that's what's different about all of those times in the series leading up until now we didn't have such a bittersweet conclusion or rather we weren't be, we weren't being thrust into such a bittersweet situation for all of these moments to come up 
And now that it's happened, we get to go through a lot of the stuff that you guys have said. So I felt like a lot of a lot of this podcast and a lot of the TV show and all of us doing this together has led to this moment. So let's read some of these no zones. No pressure. No pressure. Let's read some of these zones. First, we're going to go to Instagram. DC Hodgman says, my own goes to the Night King for making this all possible. Thanks, Night King. Angie Baby, <laughs> 1031. Owned Sansa and Theon for that heartfelt reunion that had Danny wishing someone felt that way about her. Hashtag Sansa's winning. Hashtag real mad queen. Hashtag Northside bitch. Miss Luzanna owned to ice that has been sitting with Brienne and now the rest of it just rocked up with Jamie. Hashtag so we're not going to talk about it. Hashtag give it back. Also, owned to the writers for bringing it all back with some epic scenes. Shablamalama, owned to the showrunners for fattening the viewers up like cattle right before the slaughter. <laughs> That's what I meant to say this whole episode. Hashtag we were fucked. Hashtag everyone's going to die. Hashtag save the dragons. LMJCBVJ. That's all not the right letters, but you know who you are. I think you got it. Sunday. <laughs> Owned him a Sunday. My heart breaks for her. Noth is calling her home. Nindicott drinks. The Hound. The Lord of Light is going to wonder why he brought you back 19 times just to die when I throw you over this fucking wall. Auntie Wiz. Owned to Brian Cogman for writing episode two and calling it a love letter to the characters. Hashtag it really was. Hashtag goodbye to everybody we love. Dolce Harajuku. Owned to Gendry for his half-terrified, half-never-been-harder-in-my-life parting look at Arya. <laughs> also to the rising steam and hole-in-one spearheads in the forge for adding to the sexual tension we all never knew we needed. That's so funny. And owned to our girl, finally. Our girl, Arya, finally getting it in. Hashtag finally. Hashtag I have a son, you have a daughter. And now a wolf and stag emoji. Beautiful. Never be so proud. Joe Caromo owned to the whole freaking episode because OMG. But the Suprema owned to Brienne becoming a sir. Hashtag right in the feels. The Eric Richter owned to Ghost for making a surprising yet brief appearance. Coach Tucker 726 owned to Pod. His voice is like a mix between Justin Timberlake and Taylor Swift. Hashtag Ooh. we don't need Ed Sheeran. Shout out to Taylor Swift's new single dropping tonight. Shout out to Justin Timberlake for being the only account that I would ever follow on Instagram. Erica Skiss 22. <laughs> My own goes to the women of the North this episode. Sansa for seeing through Danny's besties moment. Liana the Little Bear for being a badass ready for battle. Sir Brienne for finally becoming a knight. And for a girl with no name becoming a woman. Get your man, Arya. Hashtag who rule the world. Hashtag the women of the North. Hashtag a girl has no name, but a woman is born. Hashtag sisterhood of the Northern ladies. Hashtag <laughs> FEF feminism. Harrington Haradon. Owned a sexual tension between Sansa and Theon. Who needs the pillar when you got the stones? Hashtag <laughs> kissed by fire, kissing by fire. Zach Glow Felty. This episode was fucking incredible, but the own has to go to Arya slash Genji for making us care more about Pound Town than the end of the world. Lizzie Cassandra. Podrick singing. Now we know what made those ladies so happy. <laughs> J.M. Fuentes. Owned to three months of suckling a giant's teeth for giving us giant's bane. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> That's what it takes. Owned to Arya for making me close and cover my eyes during Game of Thrones for the first time. <laughs> Not during I love you like a sister, Arya, and I'm not Jamie. Ooh, the gum 25 owned the people of Winterfell for not interrupting any of our main characters' interactions on the eve of battle. Hashtag Northern Hospitality. Mike Wash 821, my own goes to Tormund chugging that sour goat's milk. Miss Bacon Tits owned Arya not spending her last night with two, with those two old shits. Get it, girl. Connor Magdude owned the Tar Targaryens for realizing they have the first 
and close second best claims to the throne. Sorry, Gendry, but Robert's Rebellion was built on a lie. Biat Carvajira owned to brand for casually dropping things I do for love and scaring the shit out of Jamie. Willie Malo, my own goes to pod being the songbird of his generation. Hashtag iPod. Perfect. Hashtag campfire song. Hashtag three-eyed that's <laughs> Carl's Jr. owned a pod for giving the little nod to Brienne for a non-verbal, non-verbal, get your ass up and get that knighthood girl. Hashtag knighthood 2K19. Hashtag Brienne of Tarth. Chevy Max owned to Brienne finally getting knighted by her one true love and me sobbing like a baby throughout the entire scene. Hashtag get it together girl. Hashtag best episode in a long time. Hashtag Hashtag not ready for next week and six sad face emojis. Whoa. Steffi Jean, Sansa for pulling at Bran and cutting straight to the point with his Danny. This is nice and all, but what about the fucking North? <laughs> <laughs> Nick Cryer owned to Torment for thinking he was at a college frat party instead of waiting for death to arrive at Winterfell. Hashtag I can drink more than you, Jamie. Jay Belda Wolf owned to Brian Cogman. I laughed out loud. Tormund, the scene stiller, sobbed, Sir Brianna fucking tart, squealed with delight, ghost, and was hooting and hollering at that glorious ship setting sail. A girl got hers indeed. This episode was so glorious. Can't wait to hear you guys break it down. Traces Jackson owned to Tormund for keeping me from weeping the entire episode. Hashtag is the big woman here. <laughs> Hashtag giant smoke. Hashtag killed a giant when I was 10. Just sizzle. I was owned by Brian Cogman, who almost gave book readers a heart attack thinking we were getting that Lady Stoneheart scene with Jamie. Brand. Oh, geez. Right? I know. People thought that, but no, dude. Uh, like, that would be won. crazy right before the battle. Like, let's just do this now. Loki thought it was going to happen for like 30 seconds. That finger grip on the hill, it was like, now's my chance for Cersei. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mercy K1 owned to Theon. He could have been boat miles away, yet showed up. After all they've been through. That takes a solid set of stones. P.S. Hope he gets arrows with obsidian tips. Hashtag sharpshooter. Second owned for Sam, to Sam for giving Sir Jorah Valyrian steel. Hashtag know your strengths. Third owned to Gendry for forging a fine weapon in record time. <laughs> J. Pinay Pint 8495. My own goes to Bran for when he absolutely destroyed Jamie saying the things I do for love. Three flames. Jack Kent Howard owned to Bran... How do you know there's going to be an afterwards? Eth Underwood owned to John for owning his truth. Hashtag yes, auntie. Hashtag he did that. Hashtag Aegon Targaryen. What an amazing app that this doesn't feel like the biggest so bombshell true. ever. Good point. High Ground Pod owned to Ed for the best bro moment ever. And now our watch begins. <laughs> Caitlin Marie owned to Podrick's song and how reminiscent it was a Pippin song in Return of the King. Hashtag LOTR vibes. Sparky JK, has there ever been an episode where it's been harder to pick an own? As much as I want to give my own to the obviously deserving party Brienne, I think everyone has covered that already. So my own goes to Tyrion for owning up to his mistakes. He literally owned. This is one of my favorite episodes ever. Cheryl Tesh owned to John for actually <laughs> telling his queen that he may be her king. Mary Weirs owned to Sansa for letting her wall down when she saw Theon. She always holds herself together for the sake of staying strong after everything she's been through. And watching her breakdown with Theon was everything. Adventure owns to Arya for not staying with those two old miserable shits, but giving us a chemistry lesson with her crush. Hashtag Carpe Diem. Flexi Jaybird first own. Welcome to that awkward moment where Daenerys removes her hand from Sansa's after you think they're finally getting somewhere in their relationship. Hashtag that was tense. Hashtag why can't Daenerys finish a conversation in this episode? <laughs> Hashtag awkward vibes. Scotty B3 owned a brand for working out his comedy routine. Owned a ghost for stopping by to say hello. Owned a Tyrion for borrowing plot armor from Bran. 
own to D&D for giving us a proper farewell, farewell to our friends before they leave us. Virginia Oxford, own to Brian Cogman for writing possibly one of the most thoroughly satisfying scripts ever in the history of the series. Hashtag sharing, hashtag caring, hashtag... John gets to the point. Hashtag Aria too for that matter. Lauren Olivia, Onda Aria. I know death. He has many faces. I look forward to meeting this one. Hashtag that's what death is. Hashtag she gonna kill him. <laughs> Raven Alight, my own goes to the return of smart and curious Tyrion, sitting down and getting Bran's whole story. Let's hope he milks an opportunity like a 10-year-old to torment. <laughs> Let's hope he milks the opportunity like a 10-year-old torment. Oh, yeah. Maybe they will come up with a last-ditch plan. The Great Bazzy, my first ever own, goes to the first tears shed Yay. this season when Jamie knighted Brienne. Hashtag Sir Brienne of Tarth. Hashtag there's something in my eye. Hashtag did you see Tormund smile? Hashtag three-way. Tom Robertson, owned to Sansa for seeing through Danny's let's be besties move that has about as much authenticity as Taylor Swift. Ooh, shots fired. Sleevis, owned to eight years of GOT. You really feel it in an episode like this where each actor's performance has years of passion and work built into every moment. A beautiful rarity for a TV show to create such complete characters. Hashtag the calm before the storm. And now on to Twitter. Yeah. Kaylee Cupcake, who says, owns to Danny... Owns to the Danny fans for still having faith in her despite the writers trying to get the viewers to turn on her this season. Jerry from Mayo, owned to the Hound as Barrick is just about to start a sermon on the greatness of the Lord, the Lord of Light. The Lord of Light, I can't even do a Hound voice, but he's almost probably going to die in the next week, so I'm going to try it anyway. <sighs> the Lord of Light is going to wonder why he brought you back. I can't do it. 19 times just to watch you die <laughs> as I chuck you over this fucking wall. Hashtag better burn. Better burn than even a flaming sword could inflict. Hashtag, I'll try harder next time. Brian Breslow, owned to Maisie Williams for totally joking about her scene on so Twitter. Funny. Hashtag, took it like a champ. At Miss Christy Lee, owned to the cast and crew for such a beautiful episode. It was everything I wanted. My emotions were all over the place. I'm now incredibly stressed and worried about next week's episode. Duncan Ray, my own ghost of the crypt as the living will become the dead. Hashtag, red wedding part deux. Poor, hashtag, poor Sansa. A fine badger. Own goes to Grey Worm for having the courage to have dreams of the future on this show. Hashtag, you haven't been paying attention. Hashtag, Nath will miss you. Mishi333, owned to the Craster family who's about to have a nice little extended family reunion at Winterfell. Little Sam and Gilly waiting Oof. inside while the Craster boys, aka most of the White Walkers, roll up outside. Hashtag Craster reunion. Hashtag, is that Walker baby grown yet? Game of Thrones. That's definitely a spoiler for your sister. At Rock Johnson 71, <laughs> Ohm to Tormund for that half-assed tackle he gave John in episode two. Castigear, my own goes to Arya's delivery of the simple line, my weapon, and that look as she walks off. Drill Vanus, Ohm to Tormund, no matter what the realm is throwing at him, his priority is whether or not the big woman is at Winterfell. Hashtag giant killer. Hashtag sorry about giant milk. Hashtag not sorry. John Quill Dark owned to the shot of Jamie nervously getting a good grip on his sword before he raises it to Night Brienne. Honorable mention to Torment calling Jon Snow my little crow. Hashtag his voice is so deep. <laughs> Serio for real. Owned to the Insta Boner, Gendry Gobb and Arya through those spearheads. Hashtag same. Hashtag have a lady boner. Hashtag no shame. Emily Gulhan, my own goes to brand for his or its perfect Jamie quote delivery and for letting everyone know why he simply cannot die. Hashtag well played kiddo. Hashtag the things we do. At Dagger Tribal, aka Princess Garnett, owned to Tormund for letting Brand know he has no problem 
sucking a giant lady's nips. Hashtag fuck tradition 2K19. <laughs> Hashtag where's the large lady? At Jem Davis, where do I even begin? There's so many own worthy moments in this, but my own ghost to Gendry's impressed face when Arya throws those daggers. Hashtag girl got skills. Hashtag Gendry wants that. Hashtag all the feels. The Mick Riblet owns to Sir Davos for slapping his hand against his leg while everyone is clapping for Brienne because he doesn't have enough fingertips to clap properly or he's drunk, whatever. Christine Bademan owned to this entire episode as a whole for plunging a dagger of dragonglass through my heart with all the beautiful moments, emotions, and feels. A truly great goodbye and thank you to characters we've come to deeply love and cherish. Hashtag deep breath before the plunge. Sequoia Rogers, my own goes to episode two for giving me all the feels before they rip my heart out. Out next week hashtag ghost lives 2k19 hashtag get it aria hashtag sir brienne i feel like 2k19 gets you just an automatic read that's our little secret jeff smith owned to whatever schmuck was forced to make the ridiculous amount of war tokens to represent the white walkers and whites seemingly painting all of them too while most of the good guy tokens were left blank besides <laughs> a few leader ones tina victoria owned to their bulletproof battle plan step one place brand in the godswood step two Refer to step one. Hector Santos, owner of the week, must go to Samuel Tarley. Our guy called out Dollarus Ed for his celibacy. Hashtag slaver of the White Walkers. Hashtag lover of ladies. Hashtag even Sour John chuckled. At Mortis Gods, my own goes to Gilly who keeps getting on written out of history. She was the one who found out about Rhaegar and Lyanna. Amen to that. At Gibraltar, my own goes to Tyrion for pouring the drinks like a cool uncle when your mom tells you no. Hashtag I'll drink to that 2K19. Liz Flynn, own to... And I don't know what kind of puzzle this is called when uh, the word is spelled down, but the word winter is spelled down. It says W, Westeros Unites, I, Ironboard Defenders, N, Ned's Promise, T, Tarly Sword, E, Elevated Status, hashtag Sir Brienne, R, Relative Terms, hashtag Brothers, hashtag Cousins, hashtag Nephews, oh my, fell here. I ship hashtag Team Living and the hashtag Perils of Self-Betterment. Well said. The next one looks good. <laughs> oh, I wanted to read at JF Steele, who says, own to episode two for being the A Feast for Crows episode of season eight. <laughs> at Ryan Shotgun, own to the CGI crew giving us ghosts instead of another dragon carpet ride. Hashtag ghost kills Danny 2K19. <laughs> sorry about that. Hashtag everyone. Bookum Dano, my own Not ghost sorry. to ghost and his ongoing contract holdout. Hashtag union wages. Hashtag PETA approved. John Besson, own to brand. How do you know there isn't afterwards? Hashtag just tell me if Jamie will make it out alive. Layla on Twitter says, my own goes to the riders that gave us a break from Euron. Dark. <laughs> Jeff Lightfoot, not sure if it's been said, but my own goes to what I think has to be the fan service moment when Brienne calls, Tyrion calls Brienne a knight of the seven kingdoms, like the title of Duncan Egg book to highlight her lineage back to Sir Duncan the Tall. Kelly Brown, owned to this being episode 69, if you know what I mean. Hashtag Ooh. ship it. Hashtag Gendry Arya oh, 2019. Wow. Hashtag here for it. Andy Woodruff, Gendry and Arya, Ned and Robert would be so proud. Hashtag lit. Hashtag 2K19. Scott Glennon comes in very definitively and says, the own goes to Brian Cogman. Will Stark owned a pod for having the pipes of a damned angel. Guess we know what else those girls enjoyed of his. Crying emoji. <laughs> God, <laughs> people, man. Rick and Stark, my own goes to John and Danny, who immediately after the Targaryen reveal go stand by Tyrion, fueling future speculation. Hashtag Dragon Rider, hashtag Secret Car Targaryen, hashtag if he survives episode three. At Tim1991X, owned a pod for always being able to show a new talent. Hashtag boy can sing. Hashtag 2K19. Emily Dona owns to Urban Decay's perversion mascara for staying strong <laughs> through all the crying I did during that episode. Wow, that's good liquid eyeliner. Must be. 
Is that? No, that's mascara. I never mascara. mind. I'm going to stop. It's okay. Brian Thibodeau owned to, holy shit, is that Arya's side boob? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Jen Bridges, my own ghost, is the only thing that died in this episode. Arya's virginity. Yo. Peter, P94 at home, owned a ghost, 2K19. Good to have you back, bud. Hashtag all hands on deck. At Mishberry13, owned to the entire group around the fire scene for being everything that we love Game of Thrones for. A bit of humor and heart-wrenching moments. Hashtag us a little things. Hashtag sing me a song pod. Hashtag we're out of wine. Amy Calhoun, my own to Sir Brienne, a knight of the seven kingdoms for everything, including commanding the left flank and Jamie Lannister. Several crying and love emojis. Oh my God, a second owner to Shireen for teaching both Gilly and Davos to read. Their interaction with the little girl with grayscale actually broke me. Which way do you want to go? Jennifer Varney, own to me, because I have a new favorite Game of Thrones episode ever. Hashtag everything deserves an own. Heather McCormick, own to Jorah and Lyanna Mormont interaction. Yes, definitely. Yes. Which is all I've wanted since we first met her. Hashtag badass bitch. Hashtag house Mormont. Hashtag here we stand. Hashtag cousins. At Nymeria D. Wolf, owned to Sansa for shaking Danny to her core. Danny thought she was just dealing with a jealous little sister. Jen Calhoun, owned the beautiful, subtle looks Jamie gave Brienne as Torment told his story, trying to see what she thought of him in the beautiful knighting ceremony. That was all I've wanted for both of them. And Ed for, and now I'll watch begins. Hashtag, what is Ed may never die. Erica, owned to Pod for hitting that Winterfell weight room. He's been sipping on that goat's milk. Wait, has he been sipping on that giant's milk? Two. Hashtag every day is arm and leg day. Mikey Mannion owned a ghost about to haunt the Night King's dreams once and for all. Hashtag the long farewell. Hashtag ghost kills the Night King 2K19. Silverwing, my own ghost of Cersei, who was so heartbroken about no elephants that she refused (laughs) to be in the second episode. Jake McDermott owned a ghost for showing up out of nowhere for maybe 30 seconds with no explanation whatsoever to where he was the last two seasons. (laughs) Who let the dogs out? What this is good on Facebook. Latchy Braid owns to ghosts for being just like my ex, reappearing after three years like nothing happened. Erica Fallabell owned to Bran for casually dropping that there have been many three eyed ravens and that the Night King has always pursued them. Easily the most consequential piece of info in this episode. Elmore Jr. Bellamy owned to Grey Worm and Miss Sunday for working on their retirement planning moments before their inevitable death. Charles Michael owned to Brian and Jamie for making a 32-year-old grown man cry in front of his friends. Hashtag, I'm not crying, you're crying. Hashtag, Jamie for Queenslayer 2K19. Ashley Weedner owned to Sir Davos so for somehow manipulating that soup ladle and numerous bowls with no fingers. Jane Choi owned the greatest love scene and the most eloquent I love yous this show has ever produced and no one needed to take a piece of clothing off. I, well, anyway, Bri, hashtag Briami, hashtag Sir Brian, hashtag male allies 2K19, hashtag I sex is best. Brenna Daughtery owned to Sam for equating stealing books from the Citadel with killing a whole, a white walker and a then on the I'm tough scale. Hashtag Sam, Sam the Slayer and the Stealer. Jeff Lugreca from Daenerys the Targaryens owned the little girl in the soup line willing to fight. From this moment forth, we shall refer to her as Crypt Defender. I submit that Daenerys and the Targaryens write a 1980s Rocky style power anthem called Crypt yes. Defender. Seriously, she's probably going to be the hero of one of one of the spinoff series, I hope. And he repeats the line, Crypt Defenda. I hope that you didn't just write this and that you're actually going to follow through with this. We need it. Follow through with it. We need this. Crypt Defenda. And last but not least, 
K Moon on Facebook says, Gotta give my own to Jamie Nighting Brienne as a means to say thank you and I love you in a way that only she would appreciate. I genuinely think that's the first time she smiled on the entire show. Hashtag I ship it. Hashtag GN2K19. Hashtag Breebie2K19. Take your pick. Wow. Thank you, everyone, for writing in your owns. This was officially the most owns we've ever gotten, especially now that we're accepting them at any place that you guys write comments. <laughs> any place, anytime, <laughs> anywhere. But it's it's so fun to see the um, the upvotes on both Facebook and Instagram to see which ones that you guys think are the most fun and to see all those uh, conversations start on Sunday night when we put out the call for owns because we jump right into recording the podcast and we do not have enough time to do both of those things at once. And it's fun to go back for me to sort of like relive that moment that we're missing out on just to kind of imagine the frantic state that everyone was in when a lot of these things that later become memes and uh, like the overall takeaways from thought leaders in the Game of Thrones world. I can't believe I'm saying that. Like they start in the those little moments like that right after we see the show air and sometimes even during the episode, like I couldn't help it. I didn't want to have my phone out, but when we were watching this episode in particular, I think uh, one of the things that pulled me away from paying attention was when we saw a ghost. I just tweeted yes. like a ghost emoji a few times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so many people were like, I got you. We're, mm. we're there with you. We're watching it with you. And as far as the role that we play in it, Game of Owns, this podcast, it's just to bring everyone that we can together. And uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably – kind of person that we'd hang out with or hopefully we're the kind of people that you would hang out with and so this is a really convenient way to to make that happen and it's really cool to see this last episode it's such a positive thing even in the on the edge of such a chaotic and and what's going to be really sad probably like really impressive and cool from a filmmaking perspective but uh, a really sad episode and it's cool to see how everyone came together we'll probably get less owns and what people will consider a more crazy episode from next week if that means anything because it was so positive and cool so thank you everyone very cool seriously guys thank you so much for having the best time um, and if you want to send in your owns your comments your thoughts your feelings you can find us on a couple different social media platforms you can find us on twitter you can find us on facebook you can find us on instagram all at game of owns and you can also send us an email to contact at game if you like the podcast and you want to spread the word right now itunes is featuring game of thrones podcast so please give us a five-star review that would be very helpful otherwise uh keep writing in your owns and tuning into the podcast as soon as we can get it out on Sunday night. And again, for this midweek episode, I know that I don't want to like already tease how exciting that's going to be, but there's going to be two different kinds of podcasts next week. There's going to be the first, which is what we can presume is going to be like, Oh my God, can you believe that all happened? And then what is going to happen now? Not the smartest way to set that up, but if you made it this far in the, in the episode, I think you know where I'm coming from. And I'm just really excited to see the White Walkers face off against Jon Snow and Daenerys and everyone. Maybe for the last time on Sunday. It's going to be a wild ride. Yeah. It's going to be a wild ride. So exciting. And if you want, we're going to be hanging out on Instagram before the episode airs, probably sometime 
around 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. So just follow us on Instagram at Game of Owns and check our Instagram stories where we'll post exactly when we're going to go live. But we can do a little pre-episode therapy session together before we dive into the battle. That's it, everybody. Until then. Sunday. We'll see you on Sunday. Bye.